0: Hello, this is Dara Whelan and I'm the Irish Independence 1916 Project Coordinator. And as part of our commemoration coverage, we're bringing you a 10-part podcast series that's looking at the history of the Easter Rising in 10 Objects. It's based on the book, A History of the Easter Rising in 50 Objects, by well-known historian John Gibney, who's already written the biography of Sean Houston for the acclaimed 16 Live series, and he's currently the Glasnevin Trust Assistant Professor at Trinity College in Dublin. John, you're very welcome to the show. Thanks, Darren. John, for this podcast, we're going to be looking at the Irish
1: Republican flag that was flown over the GPO during the Easter Rising. Yeah, we I mean, we think of um, when you think of a Republican flag, we think of the tricolour which is understandable. Um, it's a bit weird to think that we, don't, as a Republican flag, we don't automatically think of a flag, that, a flag that actually says Irish Republic on it, such as this one. And um, there, were no, there were no two flags flown over the GPO. One was the tricolour. And the tricolour has... Um, I mean, the tricolour has an older heritage. It was first brought over to Ireland uh, in the 1840s and it's modelled on a French tricolour. It's the, that Republican heritage to a certain extent. But it wasn't a commonly used flag. Like Home rulers wouldn't have used a tricolour. Even Athenians would have used different model flags. Um and the Irish Republic flag was a distinctive flag that was created prior to the Easter Rising, for the Easter Rising. Um, it was manufactured in, in a factory in Cork Street and was then painted um, by a guy called Theo Fitzgerald, who thought that the thing was actually made of just bunting, cheap material, and was hung in uh, the home of Constance Markovich on Leinster Road and Ratmines in the days prior to the Rising. Um, in RTE's Recent Rebellion, is a depiction of, um, of the flag being painted, you know, amongst various other things it depicts. Um... Now, how it got up onto the GPO? Well, James Connolly gave it to uh, a member of the Irish Citizen Army, a guy called R.H. Walpole, and him and a guy called Sean Hegarty raised it on the flagpole at the southeast corner of the GPO just after the building was seized. So, in the corner overlooking Prince's Street, near where uh, pennies would be now. Now, you might wonder why was James Connolly? Uh, what was James Connolly doing with his flag? Surely James Connolly was a member of the Irish Citizen Army. Well, the volunteer, the Irish Volunteers, and the Irish Citizen Army began to describe themselves as the Army of the Irish Republic in nineteen sixteen, and this would have been, I suppose, the flag of that republic. Um, Tell me, why two n- flags then? That's a good question. I mean, um, I suppose one is just green, white, and the orange, and maybe the other one says Irish Republic just in case people weren't sure about the first one. Why not?
0: But then over time, then obviously the tricolour was the one that took
1: over and. More obvious one was consigned to history. I suppose the uh, well the tricolour. I suppose the tricolour did have more of a heritage, and the tricolour it's inherently more ecumenical. Um, and I suppose in that period, like um, a flag called Irish Republic would definitely, you know, you could see the authorities not liking it. They wouldn't like tricolours either. But you know, you could possibly pass off the tricolour say it. I, well, "I didn't know what what it actually meant." I thought it was just a nice flag. If you were pulled up by you know, the RSC or the DMP or the British military authorities. F- a big green flag with Irish Republic on it, it's kind of hard to get around that if you're caught with it. I don't know, but you know, one has survived, one is our national flag, the other isn't. It's a footnote to the east horizon, but one that was seen by a lot of people when it flew over the GPO in 1916. Why was the GPO itself seized? Um, now, simple answer we don't know, but I'm inclined to think that, well, look where it is. It's on what was one of the main thoroughfares in the city. Um, it's a may. It was a major symbol of state authority north of the River Liffey, and O'Connell Street or Sackville Street, to give it its name, it's just wide. If you did something on O'Connell Street, it was going to get noticed, you know. And there was, um, I mean, people can dwell upon the theatricality of the Easter Rising, but there, there's a grain of truth in that. I mean, people like Pierce Conley, they were they were concerned about what people thought about, them. they wanted to get their message across. I mean, that pro- the, their proclamation is a, is a manifesto explaining what they were doing. It's a statement of intent. Um, the seizure of buildings that, in some ways, make no sense to seize. So if you're c- trying to get the message across that this is a rebellion against the British and in pursuit of an Irish Republic, then surely... On top of the of the building, that would be your headquarters garrison, and the headquarters of what was described as the provisional government of that republic. You're going to have a flight that says Irish Republic on it.
0: Highly symbolic, like you said, Pierce, and these were were very much aware of the symbolism that they were trying to portray and uh, trying to pass that message across.
1: Oh yeah, and they were kind of. I mean, there was. I mean, it's kind of curious that you do come across these stories about how members of the volunteers at least attempted to behave with a degree of probity, to give it the... I mean, they knew that public opinion was stacked against them. So they were, they were quite intent on coming cr- across and being portrayed and acting as men and women of integrity and principle. That they weren't just troublemakers out there to cause hassle. I mean, one thing... There's one anecdote of, um, you know, about 60 heavily armed men who were staying in the Kimmage, in the Plunkett family farm where they'd been making homemade bombs and so forth. And they had the job of bringing these, this gear down to the GPO. Now, the Easter to Rising took place in rather warm weather, and these guys, they kind of, um, many of them, these fellows were actually British, you know, Scottish and English and so forth. But they were heavily laden down with all this, these weapons and homemade gear. They're wearing these kind of big woolly outfits and so forth on a hot day. Now, you could walk from Kimmage down to the GPO, or once you get the Harold's Cross, you could jump on the tram, which is what they did. Now, these 60 or so heavily armed men jump onto the tram, and one of them tried to buy 60 single tickets. You know they were trying to behave. I mean that that was the they were trying to behave. You know, act with a degree of probity. You know, they were trying to portray themselves as a legitimate government, and you know, hence the uniforms, manifestos, giving each giving each other ranks and titles and so forth. You know, there was a large element of PR because you were trying to convert people, and well, not just convert people. but first you had to explain what you were doing. Did you get the tickets? Um, well, apparently a lady at the, the the conductor was reluctant to take the money um, apparently a lady complained and said the conductor should get them off the tram and the conductor said well get them off yourself <laughs> and that was the end of that but they got down to the GPO they made their way down which indeed. is a good job because some of the fellows on the tram were uh, from Glasgow and had no idea where the GPO actually was so the tram driver took them yeah
0: close enough there's also I suppose um, and t- we talking about the symbolism of the flag and a lot of people might see this, and we'll we'll put up a copy of this uh, online as well as the famous photo of the Royal
1: Irish Regiment who posed at the Parnell Monument, uh, having taken down the flag. Yeah, it's one. Of more, it's actually one of the more famous um, images of British soldiers during the Rising, and I say British soldiers. They were members of the, of the Royal Irish Regiment. Um, th- given where, see if you look at the GPO, if you look where the flag, the flagpole would have been. While the GPO itself was burnt out. The flagpole was on the corner just above the stonework, so in a way it was—it was, it managed to escape. One observer commented that um, he recorded seeing, and I quote, "...the white letters of the words Irish Republic on its surface gradually scorch a deep brown hue. Now and then it is buried in upheaval." of thousands of fragments of burning paper. During four days and nights, it has flown above the building proudly and defiantly. It now begins to hang its head in shame. At nine o'clock, the GPO is reduced to ruins. Its four granite walls looked at the bones of a skeleton skull. Its core is nothing but smouldering debris. The fluttering of the flag grows feebler. In the dimness of the night, I see it give an occasional flicker as if revived by the gust of air. At length at 9.51pm, the staff supporting it begins to waver, and then the second falls out towards the street. So the flagpole tipped over in the last day of the rising. Um, the day in which the, the GPO was actually abandoned. Now, as for the soldiers who seized it, well, a very common, um, I suppose a standard practice was if you captured your enemy's battle flag, you turned it upside down as a gesture of humiliation or contempt, which is what these did. Um, the National Museum eventually received it back, um, it was actually given it was actually returned to the National Museum for the 50th anniversary of the Rising it was presented to Sean LaMassas as Taoiseach but it's a kind of very famous example of um photograph of British soldiers in a pose of victory but you know it's a British army but not necessarily British soldiers Absolutely. And
0: as we said, the symbolism symbolism of it from that week was, um, you know, it, it was very, very pertinent and, and relevant at the time. And for people that do want to go see the flag, they can go into the National uh, Museum and, and see it there as part it,
1: of the exhibition. It's on display there as part of the new exhibition. And it's, it's funny, like, why did that flag fall by the wayside? Yeah, exactly. Uh, thanks for that, John. Next week on our History of the Easter Rising
0: in 10 Objects, we'll be discussing the Memorial Cup that was awarded for the defence of Trinity College Dublin. So don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, follow the show on SoundCloud, read, watch and listen to much, much more about 1916 on independent.ie forward slash 1916. And John's book, A History of the Easter Rising in 50 Objects, is out now in all good bookshops.